0: What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the R City ZSL podcast, man. It's so grateful to be back. And I told you that today was going to be, or someday was going to be a special day. I didn't tell you exactly when that special day would arrive, but you know what? That special day is officially here. I am so, so, so grateful for everyone here. Today, I've always wanted to do these case studies in terms of business English and different things and stuff. And today, we're going to be talking about modernizing the Japanese way of working. This is a case study. It was written probably about nine years ago. So it may be a little bit different. Considering that I have so many Japanese uh, listeners, big shout out to all you amazing folks and everybody else that listens to me. This is going to be very, very interesting. But this (laughs) could be about... A lot of adaptation. Now, again, this is a long article. We're talking 85 lines. So you guys are going to hear me talking about a variety of things. May have to take breaks and uh, bump my opinion in a little bit there, a little bit here, because I believe that foreigners, regardless of who it is, but I know this from my own personal experience, especially living here in Thailand, there are so many people that come here and it's just all about their lack of adaptation. They're just not, it's just so hard for them to adapt to Thailand. And they're always saying, well, why don't you guys do it like this? Why don't you guys do it like this? Because this is not England. Because this is not Australia. And so there's always that tendency of falling into those traps and those, those bigot traps that say, oh, I'm just going to complain about this and complain about that. This is so ridiculous. And all these things are going on. And I'm like, guys, listen, you cannot change a country. You are going to have to adapt to a country. And so this article was actually written by Michio Nakamoto. All right. And I'm going to be breaking this down. So you guys sit back, relax, and we're going to go over this case study and answer a couple of questions and talk about some of the pointers in here. The whiteboard of Federico Sacasa's wall and Ausora Banks. Tokyo headquarters, see, that was a very, very hard word for me to say. You know, I know the I U A O, right? I know a-o-z-o-ra. Oh, my God, it's tough. It's tough. That's a very difficult Japanese word. But let's keep it going. Tokyo's headquarters is an unusual feature for the office of a Japanese bank's chief executive. But the words and drawings in red and blue that fill the board represent an exercise in cultural transformation that Mr. Sakasa, believes is critical to the future of the bank. A Nicaraguan, okay, these are people from Nicaragua, okay, who came to Aozora via via Bank of America, but I love them. Mr. Sakasa is encouraging Japanese employees to express their views and to engage in brainstorming with their boss. I love that because often we already know the power distance scale in Japan is very, very, very high. I believe it's 80. 80 out of about 103, Malaysia being the worst, obviously. Not not even obviously. I don't even understand that. But let's keep it. Let let me go back to it. Here we go. He said, I am perfectly happy to have a conversation, is the message he conveys to puzzled Japanese staff. Puzzled, as in, oh, my God. You know, I like the Japanese because it's like, you know, I love the way they actually, the rhythm that they have, you know, in comparison to my rhythm. My rhythm is just fuck all crazy. But I love the Japanese rhythm. And the thing is, when you're trying to teach a culture of decades to do something that is totally taboo, kind of tough. You're going up against the system. So let's keep it going. The whiteboard is there to help them express ideas. I am encouraging people to be a little less formal. I don't want a presentation. I want a discussion of the issues and the logic, he says. Mr. Sakasa is one of an increasing number of foreign managers who are trying to transform Japanese companies into efficient and competitive modern organizations. His experiment with the whiteboard reflects a typical challenge to persuade Japanese staff to communicate openly and understandably to a non-Japanese. This is good. Such dialogue is vital, not only to ensure everyone understands what is going on, but also to ensure transparency among all employees about issues in the organization. But free, open expression is not a common feature in Japan's rigidly hierarchical corporate culture in which subordinates are often expected to be seen and not heard. I'm going to stop right there. I remember I was working at Bangkok Bank out here in Thailand. And one of the crazy things about this, uh, you know, this bank, you know, there are a lot of uh, Japanese that actually work there, too. And I don't know what the function is, uh, you know, within Japan and stuff like that. But they entered the room in order of superiority to, I guess, the lower levels. And there are about 15 people. And I swear you could literally hear a pin drop. That's how quiet it was. They all sat there until one person arrived craziest thing man i've never even seen that before when well, america they're normally like no fuck you no fuck you no fuck you you know it's just crazy you know but in japan man whew, lord so here we go big shout out to the nicaraguan at mitsubishi fuso truck and bus which came under control of german company Daimler. i can't for all my Germans out there, big shout out. I know you guys listen to my podcast. I love you guys. You guys listen to my personal development podcast too. I'm not even going to beat around the bush. I have no idea how to pre- enunciate German. So that's my bet. In 2005, Japanese Fumio Akikawa is coping with the same problem as Mr. Sakasa. He must ensure the Daimler and Fuso sides understand each other. And he said, Japanese staff will often give a long explanation of the matter under discussion rather than express views directly. And the other side has to figure out what they are getting at, Mr. Akikawa says. I tell them, it's okay. It's an opinion. I challenge my guys to express their views. But for them, it was a bit difficult. Western managers are also trying to end such practices as the need for unanimous consent to make a decision, meticulous planning, and focus on processes, which they say lead to low productivity. There is a lot of meeting before the meeting to make sure there are no surprises, Mr. Sakasa says. You know, I got so many different voices, you know, it's crazy. Let's keep it going. Consensus decision-making is where everyone gets a chance to voice their views. And someone with authority makes a decision and everyone supports the decision. But in Japan, what you have is unanimous consent, which means everyone agrees and one person can stop a decision. Weird. Japanese respect for each step of the process and for each person's role is commendable, but results and inefficiencies, suggests Mr. Sakasa. The goal is to do it right the first time, rather than doing it over and over and checking and going through a lot of processes. The cultural issues foreign managers face run wide and deep, and nobody is under any illusions that change can be achieved overnight. But foreign managers are sure that the message will get through more widely and change will take place eventually. There it is. So from your experience to all my Japanese folks out there, I love you guys so dearly. You guys are the best. What are the typical ways of working and communicating out there in Japan? Is it exactly what you just heard? Or what about other Asian countries you have potentially worked in? How about everyone abroad? Everyone who listens to this. Indonesia, very interested of you know, all my folks who live out there in Jakarta. Big shout out to my Indonesians because there's so many, there's a wide range of, oh, Taiwan, let's go. There's so many different countries that listen to this podcast. And I'm like, how is it in your company? What is it that you do? I've had so many people that follow me lately, and some of them are architects, aeronautical engineers, and all these different things. And I'm like, dude, how is it going in your company? It's like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm an engineer. I'm getting ready to work in a company out there in Western Australia and this and that. And I'm like, yo, this is so cool. <laughs> but at the same time, it's all about bringing about that awareness. Now, I would like you guys to ask, I would like to ask you guys the next question, which I would be able to add an opinion on. How do Asian working styles contrast with Western ways of working? Now, to be honest with you, man, oh my God, it's so hard because obviously I've never worked in the scholastic system out there in America, nor will I ever, right? Uh, but working as a dental assistant in Las Vegas and working as a dental assistant in Australia, in Australia, there's so much more appreciation and the power scale is much lower. However, in Las Vegas, it's always do as you're told, don't ask any questions, and don't even speak. Don't speak to the patients. But in Australia, it's like, you got these millionaires who are like, Arsenio, hey, let's go out, man. Let's go have a drink. This guy's like, hey, let's load up. Double shots. I'm like, holy shit. That was one of the most spontaneous, cool nights of my life. I think, I think, I think it was from a shop. He was—he wasn't an Australian. No, I've never hung out with an Australian dentist, but I've worked for some of the with some of the most amazing Australian dentists who were just so down to earth, and so I can't say that it's Western. We got to be a little bit more specific because Australia is totally different from what you would encounter in England and by. Goodness gracious, way more different from what Canada and America are, you know, because Canada, obviously, power distance scale should be just around where New Zealand and Australia is very low. But America is far higher. So with that being said, uh, in Thailand, I can tell you right now, everything works from top to bottom. This is how countries with a lot of rampant corruption and stuff like that. This is just how they operate. Right. And again, a lot of people would call these countries third world. There's no such thing as a third world country. okay? now it's very. There are very unfortunate countries such as Sierra Leone and Liberia and stuff like that. Extremely unfortunate. But there's no such thing as a third world. That goes to show you that you're degrading someone and you're making yourself better over them by saying, oh, you're there, you're third, I'm first. That's unacceptable, right? I don't believe in that garbage. That's just like Western bullshit. Uh, But I'm able to see that, oh my God, so I can't make any decisions? What's going on here? Wait, so you're telling me to teach from a book that's totally inadequate. I would like to do a couple of other things. No, 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 no. You have to do 80% from the book and 20% printouts. There was another lady just about 10 years older than me. Why me and her, we went at it for like two years until she finally quit. Thank you. And she would always say, hey, you always you, you always supplement. No, you can only supplement 15% and 10% and this and that. It's that constant micromanagement where I'm just like, you know what? Fuck you. But with that fuck you, she gave all the classes to another teacher. So me, I'm not going to be that cup, cup, cup. I was with my wife just recently and I like fucking with people. I'm terrible. We were at the, what was it? We were at the store and there was this younger girl. She had to be like between 18 and 22. She went up to this lady, this older lady. She had to be between 45, 55. And my wife was looking at her and she just asked her just a basic question. And then the way she spoke to her, I was like, okay, she's speaking a little bit elevated. And I looked at my wife and my wife like cringed with her face. And I'm like, and then I wanted to, let's <laughs> see, I'm terrible. I wanted to fuck around with her. And so I said in English, I'm like, damn, she mad as hell. You know us black folks, man. No, I don't consider myself to be black. I'm an American with probably like seven different than anything. I'm big. I'm brown as hell. I'm not even close to being black. But man, I like to fuck with people like crazy. Okay, where I'm from, man, we fuck with people. And if you're having a bad day, I'm going to say you're having a bad day so you can look at me. See, you can't treat people with disrespect like that and embarrass them and make them a mockery in front of other individuals without me making you a little bit more pissed off. I'm going to say, damn, she bad as hell. What you bad for? That's what, again, quote, unquote, black folks do. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you mad? I'm going to tell you you're mad so you can get madder. <laughs> Anyways, so with that being said, uh, the younger ones always have to say ka, ka, ka and just be the bootlicker of the older ones. And then the older ones just sit on their asses and do fucking nothing. This happens always, especially with immigration, right? And so if we look at the decisions that are taken in Japanese companies and companies in general, Asian companies, it always comes from the head. There are no subordinates except, oh, it depends on the company, right? Uh, the company, what is it, Greenpeace Organization, I just finished teaching them. They were absolutely amazing. I love them like crazy. Man, we went out for drinks on our last night, and boy, it was so good to see everyone that office layout. They had a ping pong table and a pool table in there, totally different from a traditional type of company like the Ugly CP that's a total monopoly and all these other companies that are out there, right? And so the individuals who I taught, one was like literally an IT, but she's able to make a lot of decisions on her own without having to to consult the fucking older ones. And so being able to have that freeness gives other people a sense of responsibility, and that's the overall thing that you want. You want to be able that, hey, you know what? This is awesome because I can actually make a decision that's going to have an impact. But if you're not able to do that, then we're all fucked. You know what I mean? So with that being said, this was written, again, about nine years ago, modernizing and everything. But I would like to know everyone's thoughts. Again, follow me on Arsenio's ESL podcast on my Instagram. I would love to hear the thoughts based on you know, some of my amazing uh, Japanese folks that are living out there. And especially in the countries, man. Again, I have so, I have, listen, I have Western African countries. Listen to me. Gabon, man, come on now. Get on over there. Follow me and say, my goodness, Arsenio, I follow you from Gabon out here, man. It is crazy as shit. (laughs) I have no idea, but there's so many other people out there. So please follow me. I would love to hear it. Hell, even send me a one minute video so that I could save and repost on my IG saying, Arsenio, well, this is how companies are kind of out here in Taiwan, or I could speak from it from this perspective. It's kind of like this. You can even send me an audio if you don't want to do a video message. Just follow me on there and let's engage in conversation. With that being said, thanks for tuning in to the first episode. Every Friday, baby, every Friday, I'm going to bring it with that fire over and out.